Hey, today we're going to be talking turkey. That's right, talking turkey, getting right down to the brass tacks. We're going to be talking about human relationships and all the things that are related to it and talk about some of the hot topics that are out there, and there are a lot. But before we get to that, I want to talk about my good friends at JetSmart. I'm sending out a big booyah for them sponsoring this episode and sponsoring me and for just making the service because I use them all the time. Listen carefully when I say JetSmarter is revolutionizing the private air travel industry. I love flying on these guys. It means no prepaid hours, no expensive brokers, just innovative air travel at my my fingertips, at your fingertips, so you can experience aviation is meant to be. I mean, oh man, you talk about being pampered with JetSmarter. Flying private is now within reach. So unlike the jet cards or the fractional ownership, those are boring, those are old models, JetSmarter lets you create on-demand flights anywhere on the planet. Man, I was in Chicago, boom, I'm, I'm here in New York. Nothing like it, just pulling down my apps. I reserve my seats on shared flights worldwide and, and do it with the app. I, I don't care, just do it. Just do it. Download it. So JetSmart is the only private flight service that lets you share your extra charter seats. So if you're booking a plane, you got some extra seats, why not have somebody help you share the cost of it? So it's awesome. And you get exchange for flight credit with fellow members. This is awesome. So download the JetSmarter app today and use the code SMART, S-M-A-R-T, to become part of the world's largest members-only private aviation community and discover the smarter way to fly. Or visit the website, JetSmarter.com. Dot com and you get lots more info. So I said talking turkey and look, there's so much going on. You know, race relations, gender, uh, generational. Um, you know, certainly sexual harassment's been all over the news in the last couple of months. Quite frankly, it's not gone away. So I went to the top. You know, one of the biggest companies in the world, Accenture. I mean, these guys are in global management consulting, professional services. They provide strategy, consulting, digital, technology, operation service. We're talking about big company that solves big problems, and these are big problems. So I went right to the chief leadership and HR officer, Ellen Shook, and I asked her if she would come on and we talk a little bit about all of these things, how to be more inclusive, how to talk about diversity, how to talk about gender, race, transgender issues, everything that's out there, because there's a lot. And you need to be thinking about this as you're building business. And so what a pleasure to have Ellen right here on the show and talking turkey with me on such a special day. From Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, Owen, what a pleasure to have you on the show. You guys are so big and you see so much across the entire spectrum, not just here in the U.S., but around the world. What do you see that's changing for HR, you know, in terms of where is it going? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's delightful to be here. And I will tell you, HR is changing dramatically. If it's not changing today, it needs to, because at the heart of the digital revolution, There are so many disruptive forces, and HR needs to be very clear about how technology can elevate humans and not eliminate them. When I've always thought back at, you know, a lot of companies that I've been in, I haven't always seen HR as the group that's at the forefront of driving change. I've always seen them more of bring everybody back to the center rather than helping people get to the edges. Is that that part of it changing? 
I think it is. I think that, um, you know, with the application of technology to all HR processes, there's less of a need for HR people to be process focused and to be more people focused. And as, you know, the generations and digital natives become a larger and larger part of the workforce, that HR is going to have to shift its focus from process to experience. I have an opportunity here to really look into the future because by 2025, 75% of the workforce will be of the millennial generation. And of the 425,000 people in Accenture, we already have 77% millennial. So we're kind of living in the future. Wow, you you guys have already crossed that chasm. That's a big one. I love that that process to experience. There's an important role for someone to be at the forefront of that, like that's thinking through, have you thought this? Have you thought that? Is that part of what you do? It absolutely is part of what I do. And we've really, again, driven by the changing demographics of our workforce, had to really think very differently and reimagine our talent practices for the 21st century. And I'll tell you, one of my most important roles is to look at our talent practices through three lenses. First is transparency. So gone are the days of the black box HR process. And people are are really expecting dramatic change in the level of transparency around their whole lives, both outside of work and inside of work. Second, hyper-personalization. You know, people are living in a very hyper-personalized world through the whole, you know, all the things they can do on their apps, on their mobile devices, and they want that same experience at work than they're having outside of work. And finally, I think one of the most important things that I do is take input and listen, because people want to co-create their experiences and not be told how things are going to work. So I I see myself playing a very important role in that regard. So we we talked about millennials and it being like 75%, at least in the future for the workforce, and you're already there. You know, are, are the talent practices keeping up with what they consider to be what should be basic level Um, in terms of services or basic level ways of doing things? Well, there needs to be, right? So um, in order to compete in this world, um, you need to be able to have the best talent. There's no doubt about it. And the old kind of adage around the war for talent isn't ending. And so in order to have the right people in your workforce, you have to be worthy of attracting the types of talent you need into your company. And so your talent practices must evolve. Well, a big part of that's got to be around inclusion and diversity. So what's been your focus there at Accenture in this this space? Well, inclusion and diversity is a business issue at Accenture. Um, Accenture really uh, set an aspiration to be the leading provider of digital-related services. And in order to actually achieve that aspiration, we needed to uh, we need to bring the most innovative solutions to our clients. And without diversity, there just is no innovation. So it's a real business issue for us. Do you find that companies need to set specific gender goals to to be able to make that happen? Well, gender is certainly an important pillar in diversity, and we look at it very broadly. We look at gender, generational, geographical, Mm -hmm. ethnic diversity, um, sexual uh, orientation and preference, and 
um, and identity, so we, uh, people with disabilities. So we take a very broad view of diversity. The fact of the matter is, is gender is a global issue. And so for a company like Accenture and many of the um, Global 2000, gender is an important aspect of the diversity agenda. And what we have found is setting clear and transparent targets, and I mean transparent both internally and externally, we can collaborate better with our own people, with our clients and our communities to accelerate the pace of change. Yeah, and would you talk about public and versus, you know, keeping them private? Because there's, there's some little, there's concern about that. I mean, and I've been in the public, I've been on many publicly traded companies and I serve on four publicly traded boards today. I would be a little hesitant to make our gender goals public or a lot of our other diversity goals. I, I don't mind talking about it in general, but I'd have a tough time saying, because that you know saying this or this one because then it almost says like I have a problem, at least that's the perception. I don't think it's a problem. It's just an issue that look, it's a goal. It's where we want to be. Right, and we believe that transparency builds trust, and so by setting clear and transparent goals, it we hold ourselves to a higher standard. And uh, recently, we set a very public goal that by 2025, our workforce would be gender balanced. And so by doing that, again, we hold ourselves to a higher standard because we believe that the future workforce is an equal full workforce, full stop. So when you say gender balance, does that mean more women than men? It means equal, men and women, 50-50. So what's it today? Uh, we just tipped over 40%. Well, that's good. That's just, it's a head in the right direction, that's yes, for sure. So and I assume that's women to men versus men yeah, to women. Yeah, we have 40% right? women and 60% men at Accenture. And then do you do the same kind of girls? Uh, I'm just curious now. You've got me going, Ellen, so thanks for that. <laughs> you put the quarter in, you get to go for the full ride. Yahoo! <laughs> yeah, there you go. Is it the same for the management team? Do you have the same kind of goals in the management team too? Yes, we have the same kind of goals in the management team. What we do have is um, a small percentage of our population, so 6,000 of the 425,000 are called managing directors. That's our most senior leadership at Accenture. And we set uh, an interim goal that by 2020, 25% of our managing directors will be women. Today, we're making very good progress to that, toward that. Um, last December 1st, 30% of the promotion class to managing director was already women, and 25% of our global management committee is women, and 36% of the external members of our board of directors are also women. So we have four women on the board of directors. Yeah, what, what was the percentage of the board? 36%. That, which is, uh, first of all, hats Thank off you. to you, because if, for those people who don't know that are listening and you know, typically when you look at publicly traded boards, 17% of them are women which is atrocious. And to see someone that's really, you're talking about more than double what the national average or the international average, I guess, would you, you could be able to say. Well, well hats off yeah, to Yeah, and I, I think it's important. I, our CEO and chairman, Pierre Nanterre, truly sets the tone at the top because, like I said, diversity is a business issue for Accenture. And so his, you know, the board of directors and the leadership team 
you know, that applies to us too. It's smart business. Well, speaking of smart, let me take a quick break because I, I got to be smart. I got to jet off. And that's what I'm talking about. Jet Smarter. Um, I use Jet Smarter uh, for private jet service all over the country, all over the world, quite frankly, because that's what you can do. You can get a membership. It's a mobile app. It's revolutionizing the private uh, air travel industry. You know, coming back from Chicago, I go and look and boom, I jump on a flight and I'm back in New York and nothing flat. So you can create on-demand flights anywhere or reserve seats that are already on shared flights worldwide. I mean, they're arbitrating all of the open jets. I mean, you talk about being a little bit greener, too. That's a pretty cool thing. So you can share your extra charter seats with fellow members for flight credit, and JetSmarter makes flying private within reach. So all you got to do, this is it's so simple. You got to download the JetSmarter app today. You just go right there, the iPhone or Android, and you uh, you download the JetSmarter app, and you use the smart co- use the code SMART S M A R T, and we'll get you a discount, and you'll discover a smarter way to fly. For full more details, just go to JetSmarter.com or, hey, write to me, and I'll give you a special code to get you some money off and, uh, and be, be joining the C-suite and do a lot more with that, which is awesome. So um, we, we've been talking gender, which I think has been good, uh, but it's an important part of the story. But there's more to equality than just gender. And you, you mentioned a few other ones. What you, you mentioned geography. You mentioned ethnic background. You mentioned generational, which I think is, is pretty critical for a, a lot of these baby boomer, boomers that are out there that are moving out, moving on and moving up. So talk to me. You've got something called inclusion, I think, starts with I. Inclusion starts with I. Talk to me about that. Yeah. So that really a video, an internal video, the name of an internal video that mm-hmm. Uh, our employees did. And um, if I can step back a moment, it's about really looking at the next frontier of inclusion and diversity. So just quick on the definitions, diversity means the characteristics, both visible and invisible, that that define who we are. Inclusion is like a verb, so being invited to the table or to the team. And the next frontier is really around belonging. And belonging is really an emotional, the emotional connection where every single person can show up and feel valued for their whole selves. And that is something I think that's going to be more and more important as organizations recognize the importance of inclusion and diversity, you can't just have the representation. You have to ensure that you're unlocking the human potential in your organization by ensuring people feel like they belong. So Inclusion Starts With I was really an exploration inside of Accenture, which really just simply asked a simple question, how is it that you feel? And we learned that uh, employees, these issues exist in the most uh, unanticipated places. For example, men who feel that they aren't valued um, if they leave uh, work early to care for their children. Or um, we have uh, people with disabilities who feel concern and stress about how their disability will be perceived by their colleagues or clients. And so we got our people to really share those feelings so that we could really address that sense of belonging and and enabling people to talk about who they are as a human being. As I was listening and thinking about the personal commitment to inclusion, how can can one person have an impact here? 
You know, that's a, a great question, Jeff. And I have a, a very simple belief about that. I do believe that every single person has the power to change the world. And, and that is by using their voice. And so for in Accenture, for example, we had a session with 700 of our managing directors where we shared this inclusion starts with iVideo with them. And at the end, we asked them to make a personal commitment about what they were going to do to ensure that our people felt like they belong. And I'll tell you it's resonating inside of Accenture and outside of Accenture. Over 25 companies are started, have started to use our video to either help start the conversation in their company or to use it in their diversity training. And most recently, I was at One Young World, which is a gathering of 1,300 um, delegates from around the world, 30 years old and under. And I did the same commitment exercise with them. And I will tell you that the, the sense of obligation was overwhelming. And so I think this concept is real. And I think it's the next frontier and it's already starting to be picked up in a very significant way. You think that resonates different for a younger crowd than an older crowd? You know, it's interesting. When we showed it at our own global management committee, um, our CEO said um, there there cannot be a person in this room who ha who didn't find themselves in one of the stories that were being told by our people. And for those of you who are listening out there, I think you know you can access the video on YouTube. And take a look at it and see how it makes you feel and see how you feel and how might your people feel that are on your teams. I, I like the word that you're using there about how it makes you feel, yeah. right? Because a lot of times when we think about diversity, when we think about these kinds of topics, especially from a business perspective, we're talking about statistics, right? We're talking about, okay, 75% of the people report to me are people of color or women. You know, that was my number at Kodak. But more importantly, it's, it should be about the feeling that we have when we do have an inclusive group, how much better it operates and how much better you feel too, which, which just makes, makes it, and that's just a smart business decision. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you can't unlock the potential of your people just by having them represented. They really, they really mm -hmm. need to feel, feel like they can show up and be who they are. Um, and therefore putting all of their energy toward their work that they're doing and not by trying to protect parts of who they are. You know, it's, and it's not easy either. I mean, I can remember when I said, look, I'm going to go find someone to run China. And I said, I'm going to find somebody that looks like they're from China. What I meant by that was for so long, just because, you know, an executive or somebody might have liked, I say, I'm oversimplifying it by a long ways, but, you know, just because you like Chinese food doesn't mean you should run the, run the business. But, you know, and, and so I really went out of my way to say, you know, look, our, let's reflect the audience that we're serving. So if we're serving women, then let's put women in positions of leadership because we're serving those women because who better to serve them and who better to know what we need to do or in China or in India or wherever it might be. And, and a lot of times I don't think we look at solving problems. That I way. think it's a really good point, Jeff. And I, I'll tell you where this all started to become very apparent for me was about a year ago, last summer, uh, when the racial tensions were very high. And one of my mentees called me and said that he was so stressed because every day he would show up at work and nobody was talking about what was happening. And he was concerned. He was concerned that he would get shot or his son would get shot. 
And it was really causing him so much stress to go in and not be able to talk about how he was feeling. And, you know, people get very nervous when you start making race a workplace issue. But when one of your star employees shows up or doesn't feel they can show up for work, it does become a workplace issue. And you have to be courageous and address all of the things that are important to your people. Well, I love the word you use, and that's being transparent. The more transparent that we are, the less likely we were to have issues because we're talking them through. And we're at least getting it out on the table. We all know it's there without question. I mean, and we, and we have so many of these right now. I mean, certainly you mentioned the the race issue, and that's not going away about Black Lives Matter and, of course, the white supremacists that we've had in Charlottesville and so forth. Now, now we've got it, I think, right now, it's so heavy with the harassment issue. Yes. It just It's so at the forefront. Are we ever going to be done with this? I don't think so, because the velocity of change is happening so fast, Jeff, that I think the most important thing is that the more the world becomes digital, the more human connection is going to be important. And I think people will always have issues, whether they're the same issues today as they are tomorrow. I don't know. But human connection is going to remain vital both in the workplace and in the world more broadly. Yeah. So how do you, so with that, I mean, Accenture, you're huge. You know, you're a worldwide company, certainly here in the U.S. I think your your official headquarters are in Ireland, as I recall. And, but when I look at how broad you are, you have four, you, I think you mentioned this, 425,000 people. Yes. Yeah. So how, how do you help 425,000 people succeed in their positions. One person at a time. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good answer. That's a good answer. And it's the truth. I mean, I talked about hyper-personalization. The the one thing I I would really say is whether you're a business executive or an HR leader, is that while programs and practices are important, there is no one size fits all solution to anything that's important to a human being. And the more that you can engage at an individual level with the people that you work with and really understand what it is that's important to them, uh, the more you can really help them unlock their potential. Because, you know, when we call that something very simple at Accenture, we call it truly human. And truly human is really about ensuring our people can achieve their aspirations both professionally and personally. And for a very long time, Jeff, we were very focused on the professional development of our people. And we still are. We spend Mm -hmm. a billion dollars a year training and developing our people. But what we know now is that in order for them to be as successful as they aspire to be, it's not just about investing in their professional development. It's ensuring that we understand what's important to them as human beings and helping them achieve all of their aspirations. Yeah, you're a better human being. You have a better person that's going to develop professionally yeah. without question. Yeah. So I want to talk women since I'm, I'm actually talking to a woman. <laughs> this is awesome. So, but, it, you know, this is cool. So in a recent article, women, you know, are less likely to negotiate for higher pay, which I thought was kind of an interesting thing. I guess I always understood that. But how should businesses handle it to ensure pay fairness amongst amongst women who won't ask? Well, gender equality is important, and it's it's you can't achieve gender equality if you don't have gender pay equality. So there needs to be equal pay for equal work. And I think companies have an obligation to really understand and and do the rigorous analysis required to understand whether you are paying men and women equally for the same work. 
And if you're not, you need to fix it. And I know that that's a very scary topic to business leaders because they're not sure if they're paying people equally. But if we're going to if we're going to achieve, you know, true equality in the world, which people easily say they want to see and achieve, it has to extend to pay. And you can't rely on individuals negotiating on behalf of them themselves. It's your responsibility as an employer to do so. One of the things I seem to be watching, Ellen, is a, a move away from what I would call performance assessments. That, you know, we used to be in a big company. I'd sit in the room with you. I'd have to review my top people. Someone's going to gain and someone's got to fall yeah. off the chart, so to speak. And I don't see that happening in the newer, younger companies. Is that because they don't have the practices in place or is that because there's no longer needed and it's just not being done as much? Well, I think it's, you know, goes back to what what this next generation is asking for. And if you think about, you know, that old paradigm of, you know, sitting down at the beginning of the year and getting objectives assigned to you and then going throughout the year and doing a look back at the end of the year, nothing happens in a year cycle today, nothing. And so people mm -hmm. are really looking for more real-time, on-demand feedback or feed-forward is what we call it, so that they can you know, take the input and become better. And I think that that's what I meant by reimagining the talent practices for the 21st century. You have to look and listen to what it is that will help your people you know, achieve what they want to achieve. And then again, make the interventions to change it. And we don't, you know, revolution is not like something we really go searching for uh, at Accenture. But I'll tell you, we did revolutionize our performance management by just throwing the whole thing out, you know, the whole forced ranking and, you know, all the things that you talked mm -hmm. about. We just really, there was no correlation between company and individual performance and we were spending a lot of time on it. Yeah, not only that, it, as you well know, and sorry to use my language the way I will in front of HR, but, you know, you, you just piss a lot of people off. You piss a lot of people off. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't help anyone. The leaders aren't happy with it. The people aren't mm -hmm. happy with it. And it's just process driven. Yeah. You know, you got to you got to figure out what's what's going to you can't just throw things away and not replace it with something that's meaningful to your people. And I highly suggest that that any organization that's going to wade into this really consider that very carefully before they do, because your people want to be better at what they do. Nobody shows up for work every single day and wants to be mediocre. It's a great statement. And, you know, I, I used to say no one shows up every day and hopes to be stupid. I, I just, you know, and you're, I love I love the way you said it better. It's much more elegant. But, you know, I hated that process. And I remember on my team, we were a very progressive, fast-moving team, and I had to throw someone out. And I just didn't, it wasn't right because they were good people. They were good people. I mean, if they're not performing at the level they should, get rid of them, move them on, find a better place for them to succeed, and they just don't fit on that team. That's okay. That's But to just have to do that force ranking, I didn't like it. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like it either. I'm glad to see us moving away from that. That's good. So I, I, I want to get into just a couple minutes of just you personally because I'm intrigued because I love the, the cadence of the way your, the, your discussion and the way you look at things. And I love the fact that you used the P word there for a second. Nobody always lets me say those things. And you're one of the few HR people that I've ever had that let me get, a, get by with that. That was awesome. 
things I would not let you get away with, Jeff. Just yeah, this, I'm sure. I'm sure it would be called in your office from time to time. That's all right. I, if I if you don't if you don't get called in, you're not causing enough tension. Oh uh, well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just respect people. That's all I. Oh, without question, respect people. Without you know, but you know, I used to get called in for things like uh, Jeff. You know, I'd say drink the Kool Aid. You know, people got to drink the Kool Aid, and they said, "Well, can you say like get on the wagon instead?" You know, or you know, drink the champagne. Oh, that's a better way. Okay, okay, I'll drink that. I'll say that. I'll say that. Uh, how did you get into this? How did I get into HR? Yeah, how did you get in HR? I mean, did you wake up one day and said, "Hey, I can't wait to be in HR"? No, I got into HR. By accident. I was uh, working for the same, this was 30 years ago, I was working for the same company my husband was, mm-hmm. and my career was accelerating more quickly than his, and I was uncomfortable with that. I came from a very traditional family where mom and dad played very traditional roles, and so did my husband. And so I was offered a role at Accenture. And they saw some things in me that I had learned at Marriott that they wanted to apply inside of this company and offered me a job. And it was really a way for me to kind of get out of that tension, you know, that feeling I had that was was I was out of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, you know, fast forward 30 years, I am so grateful to my husband because what ended up happening is he learned that he actually was married to a very ambitious woman. And what we've learned how to do as a couple is really, you know, have a successful life. And for me, that meant my career was the primary career in the family. And he uh, still works for the company I left, Marriott Corporation. And he has been an amazing support to me. And the primary parent to our daughter. Wow. Smart man. Very smart man. That's <laughs> awesome to hear that. So have you been, how long have you been at Accenture? Just about to turn 30 years. Wait, I, I thought that's what you said. That That's almost unheard of, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. That That's phenomenal. What? Wow. I, I, that's all. That's another whole show. I'm going to have to come back and ask you about that. Because, I mean, it, the, the average tenure of an executive in your position isn't certainly 30 years. And certainly not that long in one company. Typically, we just don't see that in, in a company your size anymore, do we? No, but let me, let, me, let me tell you one thing that I think is important. I think it's relevant, as relevant today as it has been you know, for 30 years is people want to do interesting work. And I think one of the things that we have found you know, the secret to is how to enable people to have a lifetime of careers inside of Accenture. So, you know, we let people explore what's important to them. You know, I had different roles every two to three years here. It wasn't like I was always the chief leadership and human resources officer. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it enabled me to learn and grow. You know, we're a talent-led business. You know, yeah, and I, I'm going to sign off with this, but I'll, I will say this one thing about Accenture. I've never met an executive or anyone, quite frankly, that I've met at Accenture who didn't like working there. <laughs> well, that is a great way to end this. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. Well, thank you for being here with me on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Jeff. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c Radio. 
All right, the end of every show, I like to talk about the things I learned before I do that. And because I want to talk more about the human side of business, that's what we've been talking about, the human side right here on All Business. I want to make sure that if you're, listen, if you're listening, I know you got the entrepreneurial spirit. That's why I want you to talk to you. I want to talk to you about franchise opportunities at Liberty Tax. That's right, Liberty Tax Service. They have a proven system, ongoing training, marketing support, national brand awareness, and great financing opportunities. Liberty Tax can put you on a road to success because taxes are not going away. That's talking turkey. I'll tell you that. So learn more at LibertyTaxFranchise.com or you call me and I'll put you directly in touch with the CEO, the CMO, the CFO, the CIO in the C-suite because I want to put you at the top of the list and you can have your own business. Man, I love these guys. I, I really, truly do. I know them and I love them and I think they're great. And I think they got a great business too. And you know, and you can stand out in the street and wave. They got those waivers. Remember that? Okay. Now, let me talk to you about what I learned because I did learn some things today. I really liked it. I loved a couple of the different things that she said. I love feed forward rather than feedback. Isn't that cool? So we're leading people. See, I know we, I show, I know I show you do. Uh-huh. So we feed forward. What a cool thing. I thought that was awesome. Um, that's just fantastic to be able to, to see that. And then, um, I like process to experience. That's where HR is moving. So not about the process, about the experience. So where you want it to go and how you want it to be there. So being human, being human. And that's what I learned. And uh, you're human if you're listening to this because we talk turkey. We talk like it is. And I, I loved it. She even used some bad language. Awesome. Was that cool? Not you know, Well, I used it. She just repeated it to show that she was in the same moment with me. And she's just, she's a business person. And I think that's good. She's a real person. She's human. And I love to see that. And I love to see you and your friends right here on All Business. So don't forget, tune in and uh, go rate us. Go rate it. Tell us how you like the show. Because I thought this was a good one. All right. Thanks, Ellen Shook from Accenture. This has been Jeffrey Hazlett right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett on C-Suite Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.